You're listening to Fiscal Factors, the podcast for New Hampshire Society of CPA members. Here are your hosts, Juliana Sullivan and Robin Abbott. Hello, this is Robin Abbott, CEO of the New Hampshire Society of CPAs, and you're listening to our podcast, Fiscal Factors, offered as a benefit to our New Hampshire Society members and beyond. We're very happy to continue on our path of interesting and informational conversations, and in this case, very timely and needed, because this morning we're speaking to Hans Olsen, the CFA, Chief Investment Officer of Fiduciary Trust, which has over $19 billion in assets under supervision. Hans is responsible for the direction of the firm's multi-asset class investment philosophy, which includes investment strategy, strategic and tactical asset allocation, portfolio construction, and manager due diligence and selection. Before arriving at Fiduciary Trust, Hans was Global Head of Investment Strategy and Asset Allocation for the Wealth Management Unit of Stifle Nicholas, CIO of its Delaware Trust Company. He also served in these roles at the British Bank, Barclays, before Stifle's acquisition of Barclays U.S. Wealth Management Business. And previously, he was Chief Investment Officer for J.P. Morgan's U.S. Private Wealth Management Business and CIO of Bingham Leg Advisors. Hans earned a BA in economics from Bates College and is a CFA charter holder. So given the volatility in the markets this year and the number of forces shaping their future direction, this discussion with Hans on the outlook for the economy and markets is an extremely timely one. His comments can be particularly helpful for tax advisors in our audience who are considering tax planning strategies that benefit from market declines. So Hans, thank you so much for being here. I can only imagine how many requests you've been getting for these types of conversation and, and we really appreciate your time. Robin, I thank you very much uh, for inviting me today. Uh, and I also have to say that I am a native, say that I am a native uh, Granite Stater. I was born in Hanover and raised in the next town, uh, Lebanon in the upper valley. So. Uh, all my family and and uh, my formative years were spent uh, in the in the beautiful Granite State. So it's a pleasure to be talking with you. That's wonderful. Well, your reputation has just risen that much more in all of our <laughs> eyes. I will tell you that. So before we get into a discussion about the future of the economy markets, I thought a good place to start is to take stock of where the markets currently stand. Mm-hmm. By how much have the markets retreated so far this year, and are there any bright spots that you see? Well. I- the markets are clearly stressed, and, and there are parts of the market that are in outright bear market territory. So to sort of level set for a second, um, in, in general industry parlance, if markets are down from peak uh, more than 10%, between 10 and 20%, they generally are considered in, de- in correction. When you're down more than 20%, you're, it is generally thought of in a bear market, so a much more uh, dark time. And so if we look at it through that lens, the, the NASDAQ market, which is the market where, you know, the Teslas and the, and the sort of the meme stocks, and indeed, indeed um, um, some of the, 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 the large cap favorites, that's down firmly in, in bear market territory, down you know, 30% or more this year. Yeah, the S&P 500 is, is firmly in correction. And then there are parts of the S&P whole sectors where you know, 50% or more of the, the sectors are down more than 30%. Uh, so also in sort of the bear market territory. 
the good news in all of this, if, if there, to the extent there is, the average stock, Robin, is down significantly less. It's probably down around 13% at this juncture. So very different from, you know, the, the down 20, down 30, down 35 that we're seeing in other parts of the market. Um, I guess, it, and not pointing out that the fixed income markets this year are down levels that are associated with equity markets. So there's been a big repricing there. The average stock, as I said, is, is down less, which is, which is encouraging, um, but, um, but little solace indeed. Mm, that's interesting. I, I know one of the big concerns many people have right now is inflation. How can yeah. you not be concerned about that? What's the outlook that you see and, and what impact is it having on the economy and the markets? Yeah. So, so first, you know, inflation. We're seeing levels of inflation right now that we haven't seen uh, since uh, essentially the late 1970s, early 1980s. I think you have to go back to 1980 to find a, a period where inflation has been running this hot. There was a thought that this inflation would be transitory, and what it's looking like is that it indeed is not transitory. It's 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 not abating in the way that people transitory. It's 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 not abating in the way that people had hoped or had planned. It's 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 uh, much more stubbornly persistent. That said, um, uh, if we look at the the drivers of it, and this is where it gets a little um, complicated. There there are two sides. There's demand side and supply side. On the demand side, the economy continues to grow. It's probably going to grow something on the order of 3% or more this year. Globally, we expect global economic activity to grow as well. So we've got demand, right? We've got demand because people have had benefits that they've received. You know, the job market's good um, and they're, they're spending. On the supply, so, so you've got a demand push. And then on the supply side, we have two things that are going on <clears throat> that are pretty important to get a hold of. First, we've got uh, this profound breakage in our supply line. Some of it's caused by COVID. Some of it also caught, some of it's exacerbated by right now. And then we have a, a pretty big dislocation in the labor market because the, the American labor market is really out of balance with itself. There are two job openings looking for every unemployed person to fill it. So hard, hard to get the job market into balance when you've got two jobs for every unemployed person. And, and the market is so hot right now that if you look at uh, sort of the quits rate, so how, how, how often or what are the, peop, what are the um, level of people quitting their jobs going to another job, those are, those are very high levels indeed. So it's telling you that you know, the only reason you quit your job is if you get a better job. Uh, and that is that is um, operating at very high levels right now. So you've got these supply pressures that continue, and you've got a demand pressures that are pushing uh, aggregate price levels up. Um, so that's the state of play. Um, it's not only an American problem. It's going on in the UK, which you look at what's going on in Europe. And so, um, you know, what's the outlook for that? Uh, you know, it's it's stubbornly persistent, and it requires action to be taken on the part of the central bank uh, to try to get it under control. Mm. So you spoke of the impact of COVID, um, mm. and as we all know, the, the the Federal Reserve has taken extraordinary measures to prop up the economy as this pandemic unfolded, um, and to c combat inflation. Inflation. 
What steps are they pursuing and what are the implications for investors and borrowers? Yeah, yeah. So the Federal Reserve, I, I think in many respects, Robin, the um, this Fed chairman, Chairman Powell, Jerome Powell, has a moment uh, that was very similar to what the Fed chairman, um, the, the great, the all-time great um, Paul Volcker had in October of 1979, uh, where uh, then, as now, they had a, a, a rip-snorting inflation. There were some questions about the ability of the central bank really to, to lean into it in a way to get it under control, uh, which spoke to the credibility of the institution. You know, if you if you read the transcripts from the Fed at that time, they were really worried about you know losing the credibility uh, and control of inflation. And so I think that this Fed chairman has the same problem as that Fed chairman had. And so what they're doing as a result uh, is they are raising interest rates. Uh, so they're you know every now every month you're going to hear about a fifty basis point increase interest rates. Uh, um, and for the next several, probably three uh, meetings, they've already been inter raising interest rates. But they're also doing something that is less well understood, uh, which is they are shrinking their balance sheet. Now, the Federal Reserve balance sheet. Now, the Federal Reserve is a bank. It's a big bank. And they print it. And they're a bank that can print money. They can create money out of nothing. And they created money out of nothing to go. And with that money, they went and bought stuff with it. They bought mortgages. They bought um, uh, treasury securities in order to, to keep interest rates low to help the economy through, through COVID. Now that that's no longer needed, they are going to be in the process of shrinking that balance sheet. And the interesting thing about that is when you start to get into balance sheet shrinking, you start to destroy money, whereas you were creating it before. Now you're going to be destroying it. You're going to be shrinking the monetary base. And how that ends up going to work is, remains an open question. So this we now we get to the impact of this. What does it mean? They have leaned into this. And this, this, this quantitative tightening that I'm talking about will start next month, the beginning of the next month, June. And it's going to run for some time. Um, and they're, they're, you know... You know, the balance sheet went from about five trillion to about, I think, about eight and a half, nine trillion, which is where it is right now. That's going to start to shrink again, and it'll be interesting to see how much uh, how much of a problem that's going to create in in the capital markets already. So you ask what the impact of this is. Well, the impact is is that you have bond markets that are down 10, 20 percent in some cases this year, which people weren't really prepared for. And you have equity markets that are in correction and in bear market territory as we started this conversation. So that's what's happening. And then there's a curious thing on the way in all of this, which is in the crypto markets, where now that you start to have a price of money emerge again, do you really want Bitcoin? And that's why you're seeing Bitcoin now just absolutely plummet. And the ecosystem around it is getting stressed pretty significantly as well. That was such an informative description of so many high-level topics, all educated and very well-spoken in this area. So let's switch gears if we can for a minute and discuss the billion-dollar question, um, the economy. How strong do you see the current economy being, and, and do you see a risk of recession in the near term? And I know that's a very broad question, but how do you see this unfolding? Yeah, um, so for this year, my guess is... is uh, so there's one big investment bank, the International Investment Bank, 
uh, that announced this morning that uh, I think a recession is imminent. Um, I'm not sure how they came to that conclusion. I can certainly understand why they think that in the sense that you've had, you know, whenever you have rising interest rates, right, the price of money starts to go up and you have a shock to the system, like a, a big increase in energy prices. Historically, that has been a really good recipe for a recession. Um, and you had those two things happening at once at, at the same time as they are two things happening at once at, at the same time as they are right now, you, you've generally fallen into a recession. That said, you typically don't fall into a recession when demand is as good as it is. And then the job market is as healthy and tight as it is. And people are spending money the way that they are. Um, so that's not a recipe for recession. I do think at the end of the day, we'll see this economy, the American economy grow somewhere on the order of about 3% this year. That would be my guess. And, and some of the readers who, who are follow the financial pages will say, well, hold on a second. But actually, the first quarter GDP fell, right? It actually contracted. Well, what about that? Well, the answer is, is that with through GDP math, which is sort of an unusual math, um, you know, we imported more than we exported. And, and if you import more, that subtracts from your GDP math. And we drew down our inventories, which also subtracts from GDP math. But where mummers buying things like stuff and services, that actually was really health, healthy. So when you, when you look at that state of play, plus what we're likely to see over the balance of the year, I think we're going to see growth probably expand about 3% this year. Um, and then probably it falls to something like 2% the year after, although um, that's harder to guess at this point. Globally, I think we'll see um, overall the global economy expand as well this year. And it'll probably, it'll be lower than what it has been, but it will continue to grow. So as far as these, these, these notions of, of a global recession taking hold, I think that that's all premature. That's well said. So I'm going to ask you to put your expert advisory hat on here and, 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 and ask you what you would recommend to investors to help them navigate these markets. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think for what people should expect um, is that we're going to be in this period of volatility for a while. Uh, so these markets are going to roil. And I think they're going to see roiling in both the equity market, which is very apparent, but also the fixed income markets. I, my expectation is, is that we'll see earnings actually grow this year, and that's going to create a, uh, a support level for the market. So um, let, me be put, let me be specific. I think from the, from the lens of the S&P 500, we're down something on the order of about 16% year to date as we mark the market right now. I think we could probably fall another five to probably five to seven percent from these levels, but then it's going to we'll find a base because the multiples, the the the, the level at which you capitalize. So your 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 audience will know this instinctually. Right? What do you? What's the rate at which you capitalize earnings, which will determine the price? I think that that rate will fall from where it is right now, about twenty-two times trailing earnings, down into a number somewhere in the order of about nineteen or so. Um, still slightly above where it's been, but uh, where historically, but below uh, where it has been uh, more recently. That imply that we have about another uh, another uh, uh, six to seven percentage points downside. If we look, if the earnings hold up, then I think what we're doing, we're 
you know, the earnings multiples on a forward are, are pretty reasonable at this juncture. So I think we're probably toward the uh, a long way through this 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 market reset that is now underway, uh, which is the good news. Now, what do you do about that? Right? How do you play this? I think the first thing is the golden rule. And this is what I tell our clients all the time. First of all, know what you own and why you own it. Right. So portfolio construction is absolutely key in environments like this. Um, if you own quality, don't worry about things. Don't, if you own quality. Don't worry about things. Don't you know? Pay attention to something else. If you if you've owned some of these high flyers, um, you know, my heart goes out to you because the first sale is always the best sale. Um, but I do think that um, uh, uh, as a universal point, never go looking for liquidity when it's not in supply and it's not in supply at the moment. So if you go looking for bids in an environment where there are not a lot of bidders you're going to come out of it well worse for the wear. So don't, if you don't have to engage with the market right now, don't engage with it. Um, if you, and as I said, if you own quality names and quality bonds or, you know, quality investments, um, uh, I, can't, I can't point back to a time when you didn't come out of this, not only okay, but you've gone on to make more money. Uh, and I think that's an important sort of first principle thing that uh, point that people need to keep, uh, point that people need to keep at the forefront of their thinking. So well said, Hans, and very encouraging. I, I think we all need to be reminded of our you know core principles, and that comes to investing as well. So if I can, for a final question, just to follow up on that, while these volatile periods can be challenging, as, as many of us know, they can also present an opportunity from a tax planning perspective, which is what many of our members focus on um, with strategies such as tax loss harvesting, Roth conversions. What level, when do you think, I should say it this way, at what level and when do you think we will see low points in the markets, which is when a number of these strategies can be most advantageous? Yeah. So I think the the levels, which we, we talked a bit about, right? So we probably have another from these levels and let's use the S&P as our, as our, as our center point in, in, in the conversation, um, probably another six, seven percentage points down. So there's more, more likely to come. And that, that would be the next two to three months when the reality that this central bank is deadly serious about getting inflation under control. And they will not blink at the thought of causing economic stress or market stress. Their first priority has to be to get inflation under control. And that's going to cause more market ructions, which means that we'll get more of a drawdown in the equity prices and in the bond prices. That gives, um, that gives people opportunities to crystallize losses, to harvest these losses, so that that they can, you know, sort of bank them, if you will, right? Make a make something painful useful. So realize the loss uh, where where you know you have them and you think that there might be some impairment in the asset. You realize it, and then you can, at some other point, utilize it for um, um, uh, uh, you know uh, gains that you take later on, so you can get some tax alpha. As the uh, say, as far as gifting, I mean, you know, with, when markets draw down like this, uh, you know, if it, I think, you know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm quickly getting out of my, my uh, realm of competence, competency when it comes to um, tax planning. But, um, you know, 
uh, you know, I, I know there are certain sort of uh, tax strategies that if, you know, you, you've got a, I think, a, what is it, a lower basis when you put the assets in, uh, you get the appreciation later on. Um, I think we're probably in that zip code where, as I said, if we're within six, seven percentage points from the bottom, you know, these are the things to sort of start to tee up. Thank you so much, Hans. This was so helpful. It, it, I have to tell you, I, I I understand even better why you are so well-respected and fiduciary trust is so revered. This was extremely helpful. And personally, myself, having a financial background, I, I found um, the way you sort of explain things that much more understandable and, and manageable and calming. So understandable and, and manageable and calming. So thank you so much for that. Thank you, so, and Oh, absolutely. And, and anytime we can be of help, we're always here for our New Hampshire friends and family So and, and beyond. So thank you. So in conclusion, I want to say thanks for listening today. This was such a wonderful conversation and hope it was helpful for all of you and your clients. We hope you enjoy this information, and we also hope you're going to tune in for future segments. As always, you can find out more information about um, Hans and Fiduciary Trust at our website at www.nhscpa.org. In the meantime, stay well, stay informed, and stay focused. Have a great day. The opinions expressed in this material are as of the date issued and subject to change at any time. The materials discuss general market conditions and trends and should not be construed as investment advice. Any reference to specific securities are for illustrative purposes only and are not intended to be and should not be interpreted as recommendations to purchase or sell such securities. Nothing contained herein is intended to constitute investment, legal, tax, or accounting advice, and viewers should discuss any proposed arrangement or transaction with their investment, legal, or tax advisors.